Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Lisa. And here we are, solo again, or duo again, because our trio third member is not with us today. He is in an undisclosed location doing lovely other Mystic Access related things. So Either that or he's in Fiji with Catherine. That's right. That's right. We'll never tell, will we? <laughs> exactly. And we did have a few questions. If you're not sure who Catherine is, Catherine is actually a synthesized voice that we are using for our new catalog line. But we have gotten a couple emails and I got texts saying, you know, our congratulations in order. Um, <laughs> not so much. Not so not much. Not so much. No. Catherine's nice and friendly, but I seriously doubt anything she's not that friendly. Well up there. No, she's definitely not <laughs> that friendly. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, no, no, but it's a fun gig, and for those of you who would like to hear Catherine, you are welcome to check out our new Mystic Access phone catalog. It's got all our products in there. You can learn about what we are doing and what is going on, and you can call that number to find out all about it and listen to Catherine and check out the catalog at 716-404-4166. That will get you there, and you can listen. This is especially nice if you want to tell your friends about it. For those who aren't necessarily very computer competent and would like to check out our products and services in another way. So you can contact us directly through the catalog by pressing zero at any time. And we would love to see what you think of the resource. So if it's something you like, definitely check it out. Absolutely. And we have quite a lot for you to check out this time. Kim and Chris are currently teaching a cord cutting class. I am not teaching the cord cutting class because until I started taking it, my knowledge of cord cutting was well, I knew what it meant, and that was about it. But as someone who is attending, the class is jam-packed with information. There are a lot of good and useful resources. I don't really consider myself much of a TV watcher. I would sooner read a book, but I have this little documentary addiction. I do like those, and so I have been exploring other avenues as a result of taking the class. Now, if you did not sign up to take the class, fear not, because fairly soon, probably by the end of this month or so, we will have it available for sale as a product. Now, the advantage of taking the class live is that you get the Q&A, you get the participation with other class members, but if you want everything in a nice, neat package when it's all said and done. You can get it as a product and you can either then order it as a download or on an SD card. Yes, we are looking forward to offering that to more people. This was a wildly successful class and we've been really enjoying it, teaching it. It's certainly the biggest class Mystic Access has taught up to this point in terms of number of participants for our paid classes. So we're very grateful to all of you who showed an interest and as Lisa said, if you missed it, it will be available for you very shortly. It will be no more than $39 and you'll get well over four hours of material for that price. So Well over. Well over. Well <laughs> yes. over. Yes, indeed. So definitely stay tuned if that's something that interests you. And of course, we don't just talk about the stuff, we show it. So please know that in advance. You will receive nice, comprehensive demonstrations of the items that we talk about. So you don't just get to hear us blab about it. We will share it with you in the course of class. So really looking forward to sharing that with more of you. Exactly. And we do have a class coming up this month. It will be May 
24th. It's a little earlier in the month. It's just how the days fall in conjunction with the Memorial Day weekend. So do be sure to mark your calendars. You know, really, discussion about classes free and paid reminds me that it really is to your benefit to subscribe to our email lists. We have two of them, and one of them is our newsletter. So, for example, when the cord cutting product is available for sale, you will see it on the newsletter. We get calls from many of you, when is this going to be available, when is this going to be available, and I, for one, am beginning to feel a little bit like a broken record, but truth is that as soon as it's available, we will be putting it out on the newsletter and letting you know that fact. And then the events list is where we put up the announcements of new classes and the link and the phone numbers where you can join. And we think that what we have planned for May will be of interest to many of you. We're going to be focusing primarily on the Braille Me. There are two low-cost Braille displays currently available on a very limited yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the way to Coming go. Soon, Coming soon, hopefully, hopefully, to places near you. <laughs> to continents near you. Yeah, that too, <laughs> that too. So we're going to be talking primarily, or to use the metaphor, we're going to serve you up a healthy serving of Braille Me stew with a side order of Orbit Reader. We did have a class where we compared the Orbit Reader and the Vario Ultra. And the reason that we compared those two, well, there were a few. One was they were the displays I had on hand. And the Orbit Reader sort of demonstrated the Braille displays and note takers that were available up to that time. And I kind of compared and contrasted that with the Orbit Reader and talked about things you might look for in a braille display. It was a bit of an apples to oranges comparison. When we compare Orbit Reader and Braille Me, we're more comparing apples to apples. So if this interests you, if you are considering purchasing one or both, or maybe you have one or even both, which is I think a bit rare at this point, yeah. but whatever your experience or lack thereof with these units, we'd love to have you come and learn more about them. Absolutely. This class, as Lisa said, is on the 24th, which is a Thursday night, which is our kind of typical night to host our free classes. The Braille Me, for those who are really clueless as to what we're talking about here, is a 20-cell Braille display, and it's made by a company called InnoVision. So it's Think Innovation, but it's InnoVision, and they are in Bombay, India. We're just going to talk to you about the differences in these displays. They're both 20-cells, obviously, so you can compare the size and things like that, but they share commonalities, but they also contrast in several ways. So I think it will be a very interesting class. Chris and I both have one of these and are looking forward to sharing about them, and we're certainly going to introduce Lisa to them before class time so she can get an idea of what these are like, because she and I are the Braille snobs among us. <laughs> I can speak for myself. I won't call you a Braille snob. Oh no, it works. <laughs> I've, I've been called just a plain snob, so I'm happy to add Braille. That works. Yeah, I hear you. I understand. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very interesting. I do want to go back, speaking of Braille displays, for just a moment. As Lisa was discussing earlier about the Vario, I'd like to just remind everyone who is interested that we do have a really fabulous class slash tutorial on the Vario. And I say that because the Vario class was initially a paid class that many people took and enjoyed. And we then edited that up and converted it into a product. It's about five hours long, if I recall correctly. And there's a lot of really good information on it. 
Because the Vario is currently not in production because of Baum's current woes, that price has been dropped significantly. So rather than the $49 that it initially was, it is $37 now. So if you have any interest in learning about the Vario or have just managed to acquire a 20 or 40 sale relatively inexpensively or are looking to learn more, this may be something to interest you as well. And again, just like this class we're doing with Orbit and Braille Me, it's a good introduction to Braille displays for those of you who are unfamiliar. You can really get an idea of some of what they do particularly note takers that are also displays or displays they're also note takers <laughs> probably the more relevant way to say that so it could be a good educational opportunity for you even if it's not the display or the note taker that interests you most speaking of education i want to address a question that we get asked here at mystic access quite a bit and it usually starts with someone calling in or emailing us and saying do you have a tutorial on whatever the topic is. And sometimes we do, and we're happy to sell that to you. We also can create for you a custom tutorial, but often the answer to what you need may be training. And a lot of people don't really get the differences between a tutorial and training. And so we wanted to talk about that a little bit and explain it. And if you have further questions, please be in touch and we can help you with that. When you get a tutorial, it is essentially a package. It is a finished product. It will generally go through all the features and all the functions of a particular piece of technology, whether that is hardware or software. So let's say, for example, that you want a tutorial teaching you how to use the Mac. If we sold you a tutorial that we had in-house, which we do not, this would be a sort of beginning to end kind of thing. Especially if you're a new user, this might not be good. You might say to us, I need a tutorial on how to use the Mac. And so we'd be talking hours and hours and quite a pricey endeavor. When maybe what you really only need is, I need to learn how to use voiceover. Once I learn voiceover, then I can learn the other stuff on my own. And that's where training can come in, especially if you don't know what you don't know. Training generally is going to be a little more economical than having a custom tutorial produced. And training really can be great, especially if you don't know what you don't know, or you have specific issues that you want to cover. So maybe you have several iPhone questions. You're already using the iPhone. You're okay with it. You're just having trouble with this, that, or the other thing. And so you don't need an entire tutorial. You just need someone to walk you through the rough parts. It's kind of like if you went to Williamsburg, Virginia, for anyone who's ever been there. A tutorial would mean you would go to the Bush Gardens amusement park and you would go to the breweries and you would tour all the little places in Colonial Williamsburg. Training allows you to further customize that. So you could, for example, concentrate on shops in Colonial Williamsburg that sell miniatures and musical instruments, just as an example. So you can more fine-tune your training. The other thing that we do when we provide training that is a little different than the way that some people do it is that you get a recording of the training. So you don't have to worry about taking notes or remembering absolutely everything. You can go back 
and review our conversation with you, our training with you. And we do provide training on a variety of things. Well, we have a variety of tutorials as well. And so I would encourage you to check out both our training and our tutorial offerings on our website. Yes. I really like the fact that training is a very interactive option for you guys. If you think you're going to be that person who has a million questions and really wants to dive into something, then training is probably the way to go because we can answer those for you in real time. If you like to talk things through with someone as you're learning something, training is probably the way to go. If, however, you say, I want to learn blah, blah, and blah, and it's going to be pretty short and sweet, I think maybe a custom tutorial would work for me. And yes, maybe it probably would, because if you know I want to learn this, this, and this, these are the three steps that I want to know, then perhaps something as concise as a custom tutorial, while not necessarily as economical as an hour of training, or even a couple hours of training, depending on how long it gets, may be the way to go for you. We've had people who have done customs and been delighted with them. We have had people who have tagged training and been delighted with that option as well. The other thing to note about training is, if you buy three hours or more, you will save pretty significantly on your training cost with us. Because if you're buying that much, we want to just give you a little extra incentive to say, hey, this is something that interests me, then that is something to consider as well. So it really depends a little bit on what you want to know, how confused you are about something, or the amount that you know about something, and how interactive you want it to be. If you're a very social creature and you want to have that interaction, we definitely encourage you to consider training as an option. We love chatting with you and we really enjoy sharing what we can share with you and really tailoring it to your specific needs. So whichever method is best for you, we'll be delighted to work with you. And as Lisa said, if you have specific questions about something, which may be best for me or what outlet or avenue may be best for me, definitely get in touch with us. We'll be happy to answer for you and give you more information. And definitely check out our range of tutorials. See if anything there interests you as well. But even if we have a tutorial on something and you think you have a thousand questions, you might want to consider getting an hour of training about it as well. Or just get training instead of the tutorial if you think you need more specific information about a particular topic. So you've got lots of options with us and we don't want to confuse the issue for you so definitely just check out what we offer and ask any questions you may have we'll be thrilled to answer for you yeah you know just to kind of close this topic and we've gone on for a little bit about it but I was just thinking too another thing that I really appreciate about training is the accountability yes how many times have you maybe bought a tutorial and a month or two goes by or maybe more that you haven't listened to it and you're like well I bought this because I want to learn it you know I really should listen to it and should doesn't always happen or you listen to it and other things are going on with training, you have a set time, a set schedule that you're coming, you're sitting down, and you're really able to focus your mind and learn because if you don't focus your mind, the person on the other end is going to say, hello, where did you go? You know, not that there's pressure, but it's more, I think, an issue of accountability. Absolutely. But it's accountability in a relaxed atmosphere yes. because, as Lisa said, everything's being recorded. You don't have to worry about necessarily taking notes on the spot. Sure, if you want to listen afterwards and take notes, absolutely, we'd encourage that. But you don't have to do it in the moment because 9.9 .9 times out of 10, you you are going to get a working functional recording unless something has gone completely crazy on our end that you are going to be able to use and we've really not had that happen so that makes it a little more relaxed for you and you get the interaction as well as the accountability so that works out well for you 
So custom tutorials are a little more complex in how they work price-wise, but I just want to mention quickly how you get started. You get started on a custom tutorial with a $75 deposit. Remember, this is just like creating a tutorial. We go through and we research and we record and we edit and we produce it in-house for you. It's just like any of our other tutorials. It takes a good deal of time and effort on our part. We're just doing it with you specifically in mind. So it's like a personalized tutorial. So that first hour of edited audio will cost you $75. If it goes beyond that, obviously the price will continue to grow. They won't be $75 an hour. You don't have to worry about that. And we can talk to you more if you're interested about learning how long it's going to be. But really what we do is charge you up front for the first hour. And then as things progress, you'll make another payment at the end and we'll have everything done for you. But we'll be able to give you a pretty good estimate at the very beginning of the process to let you know approximately how long it's going to be. So you might want to be a little open-minded in terms of your budget, in terms of what we're going to need. But we'll know more because we're going to have an initial consultation with you and get a better idea of what you need. So it's a little bit of a process to create one of these, but we've had lots of delighted, happy, thrilled customers who have benefited greatly from their custom tutorials. So that's how that works. Training is a little more clear-cut. It's $45 an hour, no matter which training you get, whether you get daisy player training or note-taker training or screen reader, iOS. Screen reader, iOS, yes. Yeah. So Android, you know, whatever you want. All of our training options are a flat $45 fee for your hour. That includes the recording. The training sessions we do with you are not edited. So that's just something else to note. And they're not made into Daisy or anything like that. But they're yours to keep and you get them. If you get three hours or more of training, you will save 15%. That's 15 with an E-E-N, half a percent, <laughs> on your overall training cost. You will save pretty significantly on your training. So it's almost like getting half an hour of your three hours, if you got three hours for instance, for free. It's a little less than that, but it's very close to like getting a half hour savings on your cost. That may be of interest to you as well. And if you want your training on an SD card, that is a flat fee of another $15. So let's say you get three hours. You don't have to get three SD cards. You can just get one SD card. We'll put your three hours of training on it and send it to you once it has been completed. So you've got that option as well. So that's how the pricing works. And because there sometimes just are no good segues, <laughs> we're going to take the blunt approach and yes. move on <laughs> to demos and tours and other exciting things. I think that our listeners have heard my voice for long enough <laughs> that we ought to give them a break. And so we have something from Chris, even though he is currently not with us. He left us some lovely audio to share with you. Yes, he did. And he kind of explains this himself. So we will go straight into Chris's audio. It's something a little different for MA. So we definitely hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. In June of 2017, I went to Baltimore, Maryland and took a trip to the Jernigan Institute. In doing so, I was fortunate enough to have worked with Carl Ballinger. Carl is the Assistive Technology Specialist at the NFB National Center. While I was there, Carl took me on a tour of the Assistive Technology Center at the Jernigan Institute, and I wanted to present that to you now. Thank you, and hope you enjoy. I'm Chris Grabowski with the Mystic Access Podcast. I'm here with Carl, and you're going to do a tour of the Technology Center at the Jernigan Institute, correct? Yep, this is the International Braille and Technology Center. Okay. 
We have $2.5 million worth of just about most of the technology in here that's available for the blind in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Some mainstream stuff as well. So we have long, basically long tables that have all sorts of different technology on them. Mm -hmm. This first table, we have some of the scanning devices, like you've probably heard of the iPal devices. We have some of those. We have a couple desktop magnifiers things of that nature mainly on this first table. Mm -hmm. As we continue further on the second table, we have kind of on this end, we have a bunch of different Amazon devices. The Echo? We have Echoes, all three of them. We have a couple Kindle tablets, or the Fire tablets as well. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, we're kind of big into the uh, Amazon products. And then down on the side of the table that's further into the room, kind of down toward the other end, we have kind of a pseudo-entertainment center thing. We have a Fire TV, Apple TV, Chromecast, Roku, and even one called the NVIDIA Shield, which is another kind of TV streaming box. And that is accessible, because I heard it was, but I have never seen one work, so... It is once you get past, for whatever reason, the initial setup. It claims TalkBack is turning on, but you get no audio. Okay. (laughs) Once you get past the initial setup, yes, it is reasonably accessible. Cool. So, and then, you know, we're also working on for a convention. We have a, one of the sessions we're doing on the seminar day convention is a session talking about all those streaming boxes and the Mm -hmm. accessibility of them and all that stuff. Nice. If you had told me a year ago, even a year and a half ago, that we'd have access to all those streaming boxes, it'd be like, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Chromecast is a bit interesting in that rather than because all the others have some sort of on-screen interface, Mm -hmm. whereas the Chromecast is just literally a dongle that plugs into your TV and can, as long as you're using a supported app, you just hit the button. And whatever was streaming on your phone is now on your TV. Yeah, you can do that with Google Home, too. You can tell Google Home to, like, play Netflix on your Chromecast. It's connected to your TV. and Right. Yep. And you can also use Google Home as a Chromecast speaker. So yes. If you're a music fan, you can... I've actually... Ca- I, have two Chrome, I have two Google Homes at home, and I've actually casted from one to the other. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of silly. Well, it worked because I one well one's upstairs and one's downstairs, so I wanted to listen to something that was downstairs. So, and then by the time I went downstairs, it was playing. I'm, I'm not disputing that yeah, part. It, I just find it amusing. It is amusing. So then the next couple tables we have are our computer tables. Mm-hmm. We have all the different screen readers, screen magnifiers, Windows 10, Windows 7. We have a Mac as well, Mac desktop. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the death of window eyes? I've known about it for a while. I used to work with AI squared, so yeah. it was kind of I- inevitable. So Yeah, I figured it was... Com- when VFO bought AI squared, I figured it was only a matter of time. Sure. But still, I mean, the one, one less option. One less option, yeah. And window eyes was my screen reader of choice since 97, really. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up on window eyes as well. Mm-hmm. More recently, I've been using mostly NVDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, NVDA is really good, too. My colleague, Kim, who's the voice of the Braille Note Touch tutorial, mm-hmm. that's her primary screen reader. You know, that's the one she uses to do everything with. Mine, too. Yep. So, 
And then, you know, like I said, we have all the different braille displays as well. Handy tech, hams, human wear, mm-hmm. freedom, all the different stuff. What do you think of the handy tech braille displays that auto advance? When you're reading, it's smart enough to know. I've never seen it actually work, but when you're reading and you're towards the end of the line, it auto advances. I've seen it work once or twice. I've never really spent much time with it. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I can see the value in it if like your job is proofreading mm-hmm. or reading all day. But for most people, I don't think it justifies the extra cost. Right. Because some of those displays, you know, when 40 cell displays are in the realm of, you know, three ish thousand nowadays, for a 40 cell display to be 6,000 or 6,500. You're right. It's I, just a bit much. I agree. So, I mean, if they could do the active tactile for, say, 4,000, mm-hmm. that might be still on the high side, but. Now we're just talking moderately high. Right, it's a little right. It's a little more obtainable for a lot of people. Yep. And then imagine if one day they can bundle the active tactile with the orbit readers. Yes. Cells. Right, and the new Brilliant fourteen apparently has. They don't have touch cursors, but it's like a touch panel, is my understanding. Yeah, or something. Something I, like that. Yeah. I saw there was another Braille display. You may have heard of it, the Braille Pen Twelve. Yes. That had touch cursors, and that implementation was quite fantastic. I actually have one of those. I bought it used a few months ago, but I never haven't really played with it too much. What I, the little I played with, we have one here, and the little I played with it, I was not a fan. Mm-hmm. So that's the next two tables, and then across the way as we're heading down, mm-hmm. we have a small items case that has iPhones, iPads, Android devices, smaller braille displays like the Focus 14 and the Smart Beetle, mm-hmm. you know, little handheld magnifiers, all things like that. Nice. And then the next set of tables, also I'll add as we've been going down, on, a, on the table on our right we've had a few smaller desktop inbox, embossers, a couple deaf-blind equipment pieces, things like that. What is that off to our left? That's making like the whirring sound. That is a 3D printer. Oh. Sounds like a video game. (laughs) It kind of of does sound like an old. So you can feel around on this table here. Mm -hmm. We have a few different uh, tactile graphics and maps and things. And this was done with a 3D printer? No. We'll get to those in a bit. But these these are your more standard kind of tactile graphics. Okay. Yeah, I see. Ooh, that's... wow. And then on the end here we have a Windows desktop made out of Lego. Seriously? That's cool. Does it actually work? No. A way out of the Windows desktop. Ah, gotcha. Let's see... what is this? Um, so it's a map. Oh, it's a globe. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Nice tactile globe. Wow. Yep. It feels like a rubber ball. Yeah. And then over here, this is the desktop layout. Oh, I see what you're saying. Desktop layout. Duh. Okay. Oh, that's cool. So, and then on the next table, we have our 3D printed stuff. This is fascinating. So, first, 
find it. The first object I'll show you. This. I'm gonna put this in your hand. Okay. That is. Looks like a, a rib cage. Sca- nope. It's a scale model of a canoe. Oh yeah, now I look at it. Yes. That STEM students used in an event here a couple years ago to build on a scale of one inch to one foot a full-size canoe made out of PVC and tarp. Wow. And then they took them to the river and floated them. Cool. And everyone's boat floated but one team. <laughs> that's 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 just neat that a printer can make this. It took like oh, eight or ten hours. <laughs> so, and then we have several other... Little things. Like, here, I'll give you this one. Okay, let me see. That is a raptor claw fossil. Oh, cool. That was scanned into a computer and 3D printed. Wow, that's cool. Used at another event here that we had. So, yeah, 3D printing. It's kind of neat, but also it's, you know, it takes a while. Mm -hmm. And the actual printing process is not really accessible. Mm -hmm. Mostly due to just people haven't made the software accessible. accessible. What is this? A long... Kind posts. of weird with got posts molecule. coming out of it. I forget what structure it is. Ah. It's a molecule or something. Wow. That's cool. So. And just here's a ball, just a round ball. Looks like an orange. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So those are the 3D printed. Mm hmm. Now, if we come down the next two tables, we're getting close to the end here. We have our note taker tables. So on this table we have the braille senses. Do you have the new Polaris yet? Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Have this. You seen one? No, I have not. This I've must be the braille sense U2 Mini. Because it looks like. Actually, no, it's an on hand. Is that an on hand? Why yep. does it look different than mine? Well, you, the way you can tell. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, that's that's an on hand. Huh, okay. Beca- because the way you can tell uh-huh. is the U2 ha- Mini has the little GPS hump sticking out in front there. Ah. Okay. It's funny because I had one. I have one sitting over my shoulder, and let's see. Here's a. You have an on hand. Yes, I do. Yep. Okay. Here's the U2. It's either a U2 or we might have a plus floating around. It's got a serial port. It's plus. Serial port and a VGA port. Yep. And here's, okay, here's the QWERTY version. Yep, and then we also have, at the far end, we have kind of a science station. Mm-hmm. The U2's on this side. Okay, I want to see the difference between the... Basically, it lacks the, ser- the serial port. Right. Let's see. Ah, yes. Yep, there's the U2. It's basically the same otherwise. Yep. It's got a USB port, Ethernet port. Yep. And then, as I was saying, down at the far end, we have a little science station. Have you heard of the LabQuest? No, what's that? It's a mainstream device that students can use in, like, chemistry and biology and stuff classes, whereby they can plug in various sensors to it, Mm -hmm. and it will display readings, you know, like you can do a pH sensor, a magnet sensor, things like that. And this one is a talking lab quest, so it actually has a built-in speech. Oh, nice. 
for students. Very nice. On the second table, mm -hmm. we do have a brown note touch. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> Personally, I mean, I like the idea, but I think it's a little big well, overall. Yeah, because of the case, with the case, with it, when it's out of the case, it's really not bad. But this case does add bulk to it and weight. And the keyboard is part of the case, yep. which is yep. aggravating. Yep. And also just software-wise, performance-wise, mm -hmm. feels like a little underpowered. When we did the Braille Note Touch tutorial, we had beta units of the touches mm -hmm. before they were released to the public. And when we first started using Touch Braille, Kim was like, because Kim was going to be the one instrumental doing that, yep. doing the recording of that tutorial. And she says... I can't do this tutorial using touch braille only. I really need one of these cases that they were talking about. They weren't even done yet. Yep. Turns out that the touch braille actually for her got so good that that whole 12 hour tutorial was done recorded with touch braille. Wow. So she doesn't even have one of those cases and she's not even interested in it. That's impressive. Yeah. that's. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I have used touch braille and I can type with it some. Mm-hmm. But I, my fingers inevitably drift, or yeah, so do mine. You know, something happens. And like, yep. <laughs> like, keyboard, come back here. Exactly. So, and then we have a few Apexes, and at the other end, we have we have like an iPad Pro, uh, we have a Surface tablet, we mm -hmm. have a MacBook, a Chromebook. Nice. Things like that. Yeah. So it's it's a total mixture of everything. Yes. Yeah. Do you do evaluations in this? training in this center or how, how evaluations like, of what type like equipment for persons who if somebody wanted to come in and check out this equipment and play with it or we don't run a we don't have like a formal evaluation process mm -hmm. but if you called up and said hey i want to come look at braille displays yeah gotcha. sure we'll come gotcha yeah. yep okay that makes sense you know but we don't do any sort of referred formal tech evaluation or anything like that mm -hmm. just encourage people to come in and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it, stuff. it's fun because it's some of the stuff I've heard of but have never seen. Like I've never seen an iPad Pro. I know I've I've seen an iPad, of course, but the big difference is the iPad Pro has the keyboard that magnetically attaches. What do you think of the speakers? Are they really that much? They're somewhat better. Mm -hmm. Biggest reason because they're stereo. Right, and they're four. There's like four of them or something. What's on one of these two tables? Let's see. Oh, there's a Braille Note Cordy. I can already, I can already tell just by the sound of the voice. Yeah. It's got a lot more bass to it. Just getting it all. This case kind of has a bit of a. Accordion fold isn't even the right term. It's just a multi-part. Oh my gosh! Something I haven't seen in a long time. What? A floppy disk drive. <laughs> <laughs> Old Braille notes. Yep. <laughs> it's a Braille note floppy disk drive. probably tell you haven't turned this on in a while. Yeah, but you can just tell by the voice that it's much better speakers. Switch out. Command. 
And that's the 12 inch? Yes. Switch app. Command software. Wow. I'm just listening to that voice. Caps lock on. Caps lock off. Installed late. Keyboard hints. Go to home scripts. iOS 10.2.1 is a inst later. Button details. Deep later. Pascal field. Zero of six values entered. Swipe up dot messages. So the keyboard is Double starts right here. Open. Okay. Page two of two. Oh, I see. It, so it kind of looks like a Swipe little little laptop. If you've seen a Surface, mm -hmm. have you seen the Surface Pro with its keyboard? Yes. Fairly similar setup. Yeah, and it's kind of yeah. It, okay, I see what you mean by the accordion type of back, or it, yeah. Okay. Here, if you'll give me a bit of space for a second, I'll spread it out Net for you. Network you can connection see. in two ten p.m. Status bar item. All right, there I have the iPad just laid out flat. Swipe up with three fingers to reveal the control center. Doc, mail. So if you feel on the keyboard here, there's a little piece that connects to the iPad right along the edge. Yes. And then those are just like pieces that fold up. And then feel that little ridge? Yes. The iPad sits in that when it's in its stand. Wow. Mode like you saw it first. It doesn't look like that could hold that, but it does. Well, that and these three pieces forming mm -hmm. a triangle right. behind it. Right, yeah. right. That alone, no, that wouldn't hold it. Right. Yeah, the, the keypad there doesn't have a number pad. Mm -hmm. or Not a number pad, a function row is what I mean to say. So you're you're going to lose out on some potential stuff. Right, like media keys and stuff, because my iPad, I got a case, for my iPad mini, I got one of those Bluetooth keyboard cases. Well, it actually does have media keys, but they're FN number keys. Okay, so you have to use the phone, Okay. Safari. Rather than, rather than dedicated keys, right, right, and you have no F whatevers, right, and then we just have a couple other little laptops and things, Chromebook, MacBook, things like that. Mm -hmm. Let's see what this is. This is a scanner. Yep. So. In the interest of time, we'll proceed to the final table. Mm -hmm. And we do have one of the MacBooks with a touch bar. Okay. It's apparently not on the table at the moment. What is this? No. I don't know where it is. So on this table on our left now, our final main table, we have the portable book and accessible book players. Oh, okay. So Victor Reader... Here's a Plex talk. Yep. Normal. And then on the end here, this is the Orbit Reader. Oh wow! You are feeling the Orbit Reader. That's nice. And I'm just going to arrow up and down through the menus a bit. Mm -hmm. So that's how long it takes to refresh the display and stuff. Okay. That's not too bad. You can probably hear it's a fairly quiet kind of mm -hmm. clicking noise. And it's got your entry, your braille entry keys. It's yep. got a panning. cursor cross. On either side of the braille display, it's got panning keys. Oh, okay. I didn't feel them at first, but yeah, now I do the rockers. Yep. No yep. cursor routing, though. 
Is this a prototype or no. is this cool? This is either final or very near final. I nice. don't remember which. But yeah, this is very nice. APH has posted on Twitter that they're going to be selling these for four forty nine. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad price for a braille display. Considering the price of everything else, I know. Uh, you can feel it on the back now. I, just I was just going to see if, what kind of ports. It's were a micro there. USB and an SD card slot and a power button. So this does USB for connection, or does it do Bluetooth or both? both. Cool. SD card for book reading. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then the last thing I'll show you, which is more just for the novelty of it, come forward this way a bit. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to watch out for the big cabinet in the computer chair. Check this beast. That is called the Interpoint 55. It is the currently the fastest, highest volume Braille production device currently available. And it's in a box because it's loud, right? No, this is it. This is it. Yes, this is this is no sound cabinet. This okay. is a unit. Wow, okay. Because this thing is almost as tall as I am. Yep. Yep. No, th this is the unit. Wow. There's a paper dispenser on your left there. You can't really go around it. I was just trying to see from front to back how, and it's about, well, it's longer than my arms reach back. I'd have to lean back over to yeah. get to the back. Wow. And then on the right here, the roll is mostly gone, but there's, actually there's no paper even in it right now. How fast does it usually print? 800 some odd pages an hour. Wow. You'll feel this cart thing here Let's on the right. See. Okay, there's the roll of paper. That roll, let's see, that is about 15 or 20% of a roll. Wow. And the cart was? This, this thing here. It's this metal frame that the roll okay. sits on. Okay. Yeah, but this thing is like, that roll went full, mm -hmm. would come up to about your waist and be about 300 pounds. Wow. And it cuts the paper inside and everything. That's amazing. What does something like that run? 125k. Wow. But if you're pumping out a lot of braille. Yep. Yep. I mean, very few places even have that. Mm -hmm. And there's other devices back there too by the company called Braille-O and others mm -hmm. that you know you can get three 400 page per hour devices for what that one 800 page one costs. Wow. But yeah. That's amazing. And then there's just you know a couple accessible voting machines on our right as we walk back down. And mm -hmm. we just had that small items case as I mentioned, and that's about it. Wow, this is very fascinating. This has been fun. Something I never actually thought I'd be able to do, <laughs> which is even better. Tour I mean, this place. Yes. Well, you're at the NFP. I mean, why not tour the? Exactly. You can use that 3D printer as kind of like a guide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is kind of true. And so that is that. Thank you very much. I wanted to uh, just thank you personally and on behalf of our listeners. And this has been fun, and we'll see what happens. 
Well, that was fun. We certainly hope you have enjoyed that from the Jernigan Institute. And it's a little old, so nevertheless, we hope you have found much to enjoy there and learn about. Chris was very excited because he got to see his orbit reader before you got to see your orbit reader. And I remember him coming back and telling us that. Yes, yes. (laughs) We had to wait, though, for some permissions to happen and things before we could air it. Or we would have brought it to you a bit sooner, but we're happy to bring it to you now. Absolutely. And even though Chris got to see the ultimate technology that Lisa purchased, she still has uber cool technology. And I think she has something to share about a recent piece that she has brought into her world. I do. I probably should not explain my explanation, so let's just go straight to it. Great. I'm here today to tell you about a new little device I got that I think is going to be quite useful and quite helpful. However, when I first got it, I almost sent it back, and I'll tell you about that too. I had a smaller charger for my iPhone, and it worked great. It was small, it was portable, I could keep it in my purse. I could get one good charge, maybe one and a half out of it for my iPhone. I used it fairly often because the area where I lived had frequent power outages, and so it was just a nice convenience. One day though, it got too hot and stopped working, so I went in search of another charger. I didn't want something that was enormous, but I did want something a little larger, in other words, that had a better battery capacity. And I figured that while I was looking for a new charger, I would see if I could find something that would charge my watch as well. And I found something that, for my purposes, works quite nicely. It is made by Belkin, and it is the Belkin MFI Portable Valet Charger Power Pack 6700 mAh for Apple Watch and iPhone. This is a bit of a misnomer because it will charge more than that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. The device itself has what feels like a polished metal casing. It's very sturdy. It is a long rectangle. I couldn't think of anything that I could compare it to that you would be familiar with that would be part of your regular environment. For example, it's easy to compare the Amazon Echo Dot to about the size of a can of tuna fish. But I couldn't come up with anything for this charger, so just wanted to give you the specifics. It's 1.1 inches by 3.6 inches by 9.1 inches, and it weighs 6.2 ounces. So it's a little heavy, but not enormously so. And according to the specifications, it says that it can charge your iPhone three times or your watch eight times without having to refuel the charger. You refuel it, by means of a USB cord. The only cord that comes with the battery is a micro to USB cord and it is a very standard cord. As a matter of fact, I leave one plugged in all the time and so when I got this, I just plugged it into that cord. You plug the cord into the micro USB port on the charger and then plug the standard USB end into either your computer or a USB plug whether that be on a power strip or if you have a separate little thing that plugs into the wall. The other port that is on the charger is a standard USB port. So you can reverse that cord and plug your USB end into the battery charger. And then with the micro USB, you can plug that into an Android phone or some of the braille displays and braille note takers out there 
I don't see why I wouldn't be able to use this to charge my Vario Ultra or my Orbit Reader. So this is going to be a great charger all around, I think, for travel. On the top face of the unit is a round, slightly concave circle. And this is where you place your Apple Watch to charge it. It is magnetized, so it sticks. It eliminates the need to take a cable with you for the Apple Watch when you're traveling. The other thing I really liked is that I could take my Apple Watch band and put it on the tightest setting and wrap it around the charger. It does give it a little bit more security. Now, let's say that you are going to throw the whole thing into a bag and expect the watch to charge. It probably wouldn't. It would probably fall off. But if you were putting this on a nightstand or a table or something, it would give you just that little bit of added security. I find that sometimes when I'm in unfamiliar places and I have my things in unfamiliar places, I'm more apt to knock something or jar something a little bit more than I might at home. And this just kind of keeps it that much more secure so that you're not accidentally sending the watch onto the floor. When I got the unit, I really thought that maybe it was broken. I read some reviews and some people were very unhappy because they said their units didn't work. I wonder if they had the same situation I did, although I don't know. On the end of the charger, the same end as the USB and micro USB ports, is an on-off button. But if you didn't know it was there, you would be none the wiser because it feels exactly like the rest of the end of the charger. There is no tactile differentiation. It's easy to find and easy to press because it's basically the only free space left on the end of the charger. But if you don't know where it is, you might be kind of out of luck. You press the button to turn it on and it does have a nice tactile feel and it makes kind of an audible click when you press it down. So there's no doubt that you're pressing the button. As to whether or not it's on or off, I find that if I simply plug my iPhone into it, I can hear the iPhone start to charge, and then I know that I have either turned it on or off. As I said, the battery does come with a USB to micro USB cable and you don't need a cable to charge your watch. However, if you do want to charge your iPhone, you will need a cable, specifically a USB to lightning cable. You can use the cable that came with your iPhone, or if you're one of those people that packs a travel bag, you can purchase a separate cable for the iPhone. Because this is something I leave in my purse and I try to eliminate the sheer amount of cords and clutter I have in there, I got a really neat thing. It's a little USB to lightning cable. It is made by Amazon Basics and it's only about four inches long. Generally, if I'm charging my phone using something like this, it's either in my bag or I'm not using the phone. So this length is very nice without giving me all the extra bulk and possibly hassle of a long cord. It may be something you might want to consider as well if you're purchasing one of these. This charger unfortunately is not cheap. It ran right around $100, but Belkin is a good name. And because it will charge just about anything I throw at it that is not proprietary, it seemed to me to be a good investment for the money.
You know, that's something that I just wanted to bring up for those of you wondering. That was a pricier device that you purchased to get the job done. However, that adage about getting what you pay for sometimes is very apt, <laughs> especially when you are looking at pieces of technology. So it's something to keep in mind if you immediately went, $100! That's what I went! <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly. what I did! Exactly! Because my little, my little Amazon Basics charger was like 25 Yep. But it lasted me, I don't know, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of died in a blaze of glory. Yep. And this also will be able to charge pretty much anything I throw at it. My iPhone, my Apple Watch, anything with a micro USB port. I'm actually going to be traveling shortly and am very eager to put this through its paces more fully. And it doesn't matter if you have an Apple device or an Android device or a Fire OS device or what you exactly. have. You've got access to any or all of them with a device like this. So just something yeah. to keep in mind when you're pricing and going, what? No way! <laughs> yeah. It could be yeah. worth your while. And also, you know, like for the Apple Watch, you think about, okay, if I'm folding up that charger because I'm traveling, you know, eventually if that's going to get a short in the cord, I'm going to have to replace that charger. The price then seems a bit more worth it, I think. I would agree. Well, I think that about does it for this time. We want to thank you, as always, for listening and invite you to tell your friends about the podcast and about Mystic Access. Hope all have a good day and that you are enjoying your spring. Yay, spring! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a great one, everyone. We'll see you next time. We have a couple of really big announcements to share next time, so definitely stay tuned to the space. Bye. Bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. To contact us, please visit www.mysticaccess.com. Call us, 716-543-3323, and press 2 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at show at mysticaccesspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? please tell your friends and colleagues to visit us at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy what you hear on our podcasts, feel free to leave us an iTunes rating and review. We certainly appreciate those. Also, you may feel free to use our podcasts in your own RSS feed. Just be sure that all of our contact information is left intact. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode.